0: Welcome to What? It is your part documentary, part roundtable podcast with just a sprinkling of competition. I'm your host Ellie and every week me and my best friend Chelsea tell each other a wild, wonderful, mysterious story from anywhere in the world and we we compete to be more, more interesting and, and more funny or something.
1: I don't know. <laughs> and hey, Chelsea, how are you doing? Oh my God. Well, you know, the last time we recorded I was in one headspace, but now uh-huh. that we're recording again, and it, like Full <laughs> ten of children, it is later. the same night. Ten minutes later. Minutes later, I just feel like a new woman. I feel rejuvenated. I feel yep. like strong. I feel moisturized. Ooh. I feel like I got my nails done today because I did. Because I actually did get them did done. Today. Because I don't get my nails done. Well, I was feeling very like '90s Pamela Anderson because I've been watching Pam and Tommy, and I know oh, that's yeah. a touchy subject for you because it stars a girl <laughs> that I think you went to school with. Well, she that's has a really touchy subject. <laughs> I feel like one time you were like, "I can't believe she's Cinderella," and I just like internalized it yeah uh, maybe
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but she's doing a very good job In Pam and Tommy She has transformed And I was like I need white nails I don't know why I just do So now I have white nails Uh huh Beautiful And I look very
0: tan Can I Can I tell you something? <laughs> Please tell me I learned about this Thing today In a oh, meeting God. actually In a work meeting Oh yeah Because you had to work today I did On have George Washington's today. birthday <laughs> On this day President's day Ugh. Yeah So fucked up It's so fucked up And that is my freedom But that's a different conversation <laughs> So so I learned today that at the same weekend that we went to Galveston Mardi Gras, which was last weekend, Mm -hmm. that there in Detroit was a Nicolas Cage festival called Nick Uncaged. No, I would have loved to be there. And people cosplay as Nick Cage. And then everybody, there's like a big bar and then everybody watches uh, two of his movies from any period.
1: Like they get to pick every year. I guess. So. What are your top two Nicolas Cage movies of all time? Whoa, Mandy and National Treasure. Oh, those are good picks. Yeah. And also, yeah. very you. Very different.
0: Yeah, I feel that. You wouldn't want to be expecting National Treasure and put on Mandy. Let's just say that. That's
1: fair. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I would say you probably wouldn't want to be expecting Mandy and put on National Treasure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Chelsea, don't you, you want to think... ask me what mine are? I yeah, but I feel like we should introduce our guest first.
1: Well, I was thinking that we would introduce her by way of asking her what hers were. <laughs> okay, so she'd be well, like that's... you and then me and then her. That's cute. All right, what are your
0: two favorite Nicolas Cage movies?
1: <gasps> oh my god, I'm so glad that you asked that. Uh-huh. That's a really great question. Uh, so they're both like because they're both from my childhood. Because I am not being ironic or like putting on a bit when I say that like Nicolas Cage is the most important actor of my lifetime. (laughs) Um, that's both like it's both like a lowercase my as in like as long as i I live like yeah he will be the most important actor working but no one is doing it like him he will be remembered the way that like the bard is remembered Uh but also uh the most important actor of capital m my lifetime as in (laughs) i have so many sense memories tied to Nicolas cage movies but the two earliest ones are valley girl Uh and um con air which i made my dad take me to see no less than five times in Theater the summer it came out when I was like, oh, I don't know, I think seven years old. Deeply inappropriate, (laughs) very important to me emotionally. Mm Nicholas Cage essentially was like my second father that summer. Uh, (laughs) And I knew that he would get me that bunny no matter what. Oh, wow. So that's how I feel. That's. Amazing. And this week we have a guest on the podcast, podcast producer, writer extraordinaire, former amazing server at one of the best restaurants in Austin, uh,
2: <laughs> former former coworker Caroline Schaefer is here. Caroline, how are you? Hi, I'm I'm so good now that I'm connected in more ways than one. We're plugged in. That's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, Caroline, you know we had we had to set things up on the podcast side, but we got here. We've got her. And Caroline, I would love to know what your two favorite Nicolas Cage movies are.
2: Oh, this is such a easy yet complicated question for me. I oh, have to true. say, I will also say National Treasure, but I, I, Thank but by National Treasure, I mean Book to, Two, Book of Secrets. This, this, oh, sequel? Book of Secrets, the classic. <laughs> classic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because
0: it was so much. Bigger, you know. Yeah, it was and it, it, ha- it was international.
2: It had but but the Ben Franklin, very- but, the,
0: but this- the glasses from the first one are unbeatable. Ben Franklin glasses. Oh, those were so good. That was so fucked up.
2: There's this beautiful intro scene in the second one where it's like 1800s America right after Lincoln dies, and for some reason, yes. as like maybe a 12 year old when that came out, that like really hit me to my core. Oh wow. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs>
2: I don't know what it was, but that really got me.
0: Uh, okay. This is me.
2: Perhaps, the, is perhaps me. the. Sense of nation building that it brought to me. Um, <laughs> it's just a really patriotic child, okay? Well, she is from like Annapolis. I am. I'm from well known most... as like the birthplace of the United States. <laughs> well. well known as the oldest place. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Ellie, but America's pretty old. We're about 300 years old now. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, someone, once,
0: someone once gave me a genuine historical tour of the Astrodome in Houston. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and i was like what are you fucking talking about <laughs> what are you t- quick question what are you talking about they're like this is from the 50s i was like <laughs> wow <laughs> plastic grass <have> you- <laughs> can last that long <laughs> mm. How have you not done that
1: as a what topic? Oh my god. Just way to that conversation. Bear just like hey. the time I cho- I got a historical tour of the Astro Dome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, I li- yeah. I like to imagine back in the 1600s some Italian was taking his Greek friend around being like, "Look, this building's 100 years old." And he was like, "Oh, yeah. honey. Oh, like, honey. Great.
0: great. story, man. That's so cool." What's your <laughs>
2: second Nicholas Cage movie? <laughs> no hesitation. Vampires kiss. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's a strong choice. That is very strong.
2: It's also kind of a
1: horny choice.
0: (laughs) There's a really weird, uh, shocker, Lovecraftian movie that he was in. It was around the time of Mandy. Oh, my gosh. It's annoying me so much that I can't remember the name. Color Out of Space? Yes, Color Out of Space, in which he tells his child to fuck off. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, you should. Have you ever seen... (laughs) Have you ever seen um the edit of the his wicker man where it's just like him like punching like little girl children?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really good. <laughs> it's on YouTube. <laughs> I hate the phrase little girl children. <laughs>
2: It felt relevant. Uh, Caroline, do you know what you're in for? No, I am coming into this um, having never listened to my friend's podcast before, yet wow. promising a few times wow. to have done. So. Well,
1: wow. you didn't really cut the knees
2: out of my joke, so
1: I do appreciate that. You get three <laughs> points for that. Because um, I was going to be like, wow, so you never listened to it. Yeah, Ellie, you're going to want to go ahead and three jot down for that? three points for Caroline Schaefer. Okay. So... <laughs> Uh, have you ever watched Whose Lines It
2: Anyway? Uh, yes, I have Okay
1: <laughs> That laugh really wow. could have gone a lot of places So this is this is a comedy competition podcast Where Ellie and I are each going to tell you a story And mm-hmm. it's a story about something that like has caught our interest <laughs> Just like your Don't laugh is pickle, really if you will. Your, your laugh has really captured the imagination of our <laughs> Patreon group chat right now Yeah uh, <laughs> that same way uh something has captured our imagination over the last week and we're each going to share it and then you're going to score us so you are the ultimate scorekeeper here every season we have like either a prize or a haze depending on how you're thinking about it so last mm-hmm. season ellie beat me uh and it is all connor's fault by like i don't know like 6 points or something and so yeah. now i have to get a i have to get a tattoo of of ellie's design which she is very lucky because i was planning on getting her to have like a full like American eagle holding like an American
0: flag in <laughs> yeah. its mouth that was going to be unfortunately life altering <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: it was going to say ally
0: underneath it, it was going to say American ally oh and my like gosh a- she's holding like a banner that says ally <laughs> yeah. a rainbow banner
1: <laughs> it was going to be amazing but and just prohibitively expensive but oh my- uh, she won so I'm probably going to get something sweet because she's a very good friend yeah so anyway so the point Points don't matter, but they also matter so much, and you want to kind of give them in that whose line is in any anyway, way where it's just like, oh, I give you seventeen points. You yeah, I give you mm-hmm. seventeen points for style, but I'm going to take away two points because I hate the name Hortense or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no one named Hortense <laughs> in my story, so
2: good because I hate that. That name. is how
1: it works. Are you ready to listen? Are you ready to learn? Are you ready to become human? I'm ready to
0: evolve. Oh my Detroit. god, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, Detroit, um, become human exactly.
0: Detroit become exactly. Exactly, and coincidentally, Detroit is where Nick Uncaged is held. So huh. big, big things back. happening. Oh damn, what a big connection? Talk about full <laughs> circle. <laughs> Chelsea, would you like, and Caroline, would you like to hear the title of my topic? Yes. I would love simply to hear the title of your topic. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> my <laughs> title is Beware the Giants in the Desert. <gasps> the Giants
1: in the Desert. Is it about Beware like, them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, is it about like sand dunes? Is it about the movie Dune? No. Mm-mm.
0: Oh, I-
2: Yeah, no, it's Which not one about he that.
1: doing that? <laughs> That's me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is the beware the giants in the desert? Is it about famine, the mm. real desert danger? No, actually, or thirst. No.
0: Oh, you snows no. It's, it's no, <gasps> it's not about that.
1: Nice. Is it about I guess I'm going to ruthlessly cheat Because I feel like you kind of dropped some hints On our last yeah, episode yeah. Is it about, oh here you are With just a full face of makeup in this gif That just got put in the you group chat
0: ha- You couldn't put, put more makeup on that face <laughs> You could not put more makeup on that face You would struggle to apply more To that face <laughs> I'm sorry
1: Is it about Is it related to Religion Um Yes I would say yes Yes it is yes She would say Is it related to An Abrahamic religion Yes Is it related to Christianity Yes Christianity Oh my god I'm basically a genius I've put it together (laughs) Now back to my hunch
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah it's not a big topic at all You know Christianity is Is it
1: about like Moses and the Like Jewish people being in the desert No Fuck
0: Mm, a tiny bit a tiny bit okay thank you oh my god thank you so basically I got it
1: So yeah sure yeah yeah (laughs) oh is it about pyramids (laughs) no fuck okay
0: (laughs)
2: Caroline do you have any guesses is it about sphinxes sphinxes yeah big cat big cat
0: big cat
2: man face
0: not about big cat man face no it's not about that
1: okay uh well I guess we will find out oh my god do you want to hear the title of Moitwabic
0: more than anything more than words okay
1: well i gave a little bit of a hint last week but this week the title of my topic is the best terrible reality show you've never heard of oh no and this is gonna be a real classic like this is gonna be a real chelsea classic in that like i just really want to talk about this
0: <laughs> i just um, really want to tell y'all something well is it um in the works is that what it's called no what was in it in the called? works it wasn't oh i swear that. to
1: god if you get this Welcome immediately Work of art. Oh, oh work my of art, The search for the next great artist. Yes, it is exactly. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you guys about the show. I'm, so I'm gonna really give you a excited. social history of work of art. The search for the next great artist.
0: <laughs> okay, guys, to preface this a little bit, Chelsea, I was once hanging out with Chelsea, and she, and she was like, "Do you want to watch this reality show? It's like, um, it's like uh, America's Next way. Top Model, but for fine art." And I was like, mm, "That sounds absolutely awful." And she was like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes." Um, absolutely yes absolutely it is amazing like it's very sad how little there is of that show i know it's a it's a tragedy and we'll talk about it
1: Should we post for the weekend? Because I, do I have a post? Yeah, please tell me the post. Okay, so this is specific to Caroline being our guest. Part of Caroline's and my friendship, like our friendship origin story, is we like to <laughs> share uh, absolutely deranged like Reddit relationship posts with each other. <laughs> you <Okay>. uh-huh. <laughs> already hear her cackling. <laughs> like, so, the best part is like sometimes I wake up to them and it's like from Caroline Schaefer, 4.30. 4- a.m. on a Tuesday, and it's, like, just a wall of text that's, like, uh, my husband is my son.
2: Is this a problem? And and sometimes um, she wakes up to them two feet away from me in a hotel bed. Uh That's true. Uh
1: (laughs) But they are, you know, they are always strong. They really have added a lot of, like, new language, I think, to kind of, like, (laughs) my ever-evolving internet-based vernacular. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Just because like, look, like people are weird. The internet allows people to be even weirder. And relationships, I feel like are, you know, like I know this is like very (laughs) hot take that nobody else ever thinks, but I'm just like a very nuanced person. Uh So I can say like relationships are really hard and they're like one of the most complex (laughs) things that we do because every human being is a complex like alchemy of like their own experiences and hormones and thoughts and feelings and everything. And then you try to like match that with another person and it gets crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, and so anyway, so I just, I absolutely love like the walls of text of people on Reddit slash relationships being like <laughs> uh, I told my I told my girlfriend I wouldn't kiss her if she were a frog and now she's locked in the bathroom. What should I do? <laughs> 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 the one that I think really started the, um <laughs> like this is like part of like the origin story for Caroline and I was this guy <laughs> was this guy who was absolutely convinced that his girlfriend was cheating on him. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, it
2: it really went downhill from there. It's just a real testament to how no one on Reddit knows how to use any sort of punctuation so it is just a very long paragraphs of run-on <laughs> sentences that kind of ask oh. the, the panic of the relationship questions. Amazing. <laughs> it's all one breath for them. <laughs> it is all one breath as
1: they're like going through it. So this one was like maybe the most amazing one that was like this guy saying that his girlfriend works at like machine factory where like only like half a dozen people work
2: a glass manufacturing company. I
1: thank you so much. A glass (laughs) manufacturing company. And he became convinced that she was sleeping with her boss because her boss was so alpha. And like the evidence that he had for this, for this being true was like, just like some of the most like deranged, like, like I have thoughts in my head that I'm not sharing with other people and it's causing real problems. Like he was like, the way that I know,
2: so... <laughs> Wait, uh, I, can, I, can, I can cite one of the specific examples because I have, Okay, please do. I may or may not have read this post every day for a week. <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically, he says, I know she's cheating on me because her mom came by with their French yes. bulldog to, show, to bring to the office. Her boss wasn't in the office when the dog was there. When the dog came, when the boss came back, she said, oh, you just missed my dog. Her boss said one word, savage. <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, of course, I know this means she must- Fucking her boss. I've heard he has what? a big dick and I know she's a size queen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So he was like, her boss said one word to me, savage. I know that means that they're fucking behind my back, and he knows oh. that it's embarrassing that like she wouldn't even keep her dog around for me to get there and see the oh dog. My God. and it was a but it also ended with like the absolute perfect like I don't know what to do. I love her so much. I don't want to lose her. I'm afraid I'll become weird if I live alone. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Why do they always have to say something that's so unhinged right at the end? Well, that's the thing, right? Is that like, I if if I could have reached out to this person
1: through the internet, which I guess I could have, but I didn't. Uh, I would have said, Props "Hey, best. buddy, Props you become weird when you're living with another person. Like, we're all just weird, and it's okay." But he was yeah. like, "I can't be alone. I'll become weird if I'm alone." <laughs> and I was like, "This poor guy has been please like, please don't let me get weird." Of course, like in his like really like running the gamut of all the things that you could love in a truly good Reddit relationships post. He yeah. also in the middle just kind of snuck in that he's been very mean to his girlfriend and like made her <laughs> cry about it several times. Because he'll just be like, "I know you're fucking your boss," and she's like, "Please stop saying that. I'm not. I wouldn't do that. I'm not cheating on you. I love you." And he's like, "I just know it." And so cool she would move, like bed crying all these times. So then I'm like, "Okay, you're not gonna become weird. You are already weird. Like I hate to break it to <laughs> already you, deeply weird. You are already deeply weird right now, dude. Being." <laughs> very strange and so like just let it go yeah. And anyway, if you ever just like really want to like plumb the depths of human of the human experience, <laughs> I really cannot like I can. And again, like I know it's it's a very niche Reddit. No, not a lot of people know about it. It's not very popular. Mm-hmm. But R slash relationship <laughs> advice
2: or R slash dating advice. If you ever feel you know as a single person out in the world that maybe you're bad at dating, just go on our dating advice and you'll be like, nope, I'm doing okay. I'm all right. I'm actually I'm actually okay. <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm actually thriving. Thank you so
1: much. I'm actually shockingly regular. (laughs) (laughs) Just
0: shockingly normal. Incredible. (laughs) You want to crack on About Work of Art Let's crack on About Work of Art I'm so excited I okay. can't wait for people To find and discover This show And then for it To get re-signed For another season Okay Well
1: I know Well everything's getting Like re- reboots And re- reboots And revivals So <laughs> Give it a reboot uh, Give it a reboot Immediately Well queer I did Which is actually Going to be relevant Okay I'm okay. getting ahead of myself <laughs> The first thing That I wanted to say And I know I've never Brought it up Oh I have and something gonna... To sign oh, I have something To sign I've never brought it up It is You know something about me that I really keep close to the chest and I know that it's maybe going to be shocking to you guys to hear this from me. <sighs>
0: for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but I went to art school.
0: <gasps> what? Chelsea. Uh, oh my god. So, Next thing you're going to tell me you went to Paris.
2: Okay. Palace. Okay. It's pronounced palace. Palace. <laughs> i don't want to make you you feel bad on your own podcast but (laughs) but it is pronounced powers (laughs) but it is gonna be powers so
1: luckily we're not talking about powers we're talking about art school so Mm. i went to art school i had you know done like ap art all throughout high school then when i got to college i fucked around in a few different majors didn't know what i wanted to do so the summer before my junior year i applied to the art program i got in and the way that it worked was you had to do these classes called foundations. And there was like a drawing foundations, a painting foundations, a 2D design foundations, which was basically anything that wasn't drawing and painting. And uh-huh. then a 3D design foundations, which was anything that was like sculpture. And these classes met for four hours a day, <gasps> to, oh. twice a week. It was basically like in studio time. And it functioned uh-huh. very much like the show we're about to talk about, where oh. every like three or weeks or so, the professor would give like a concept where she'd be like this like this quarter we're all gonna make a boat and the boat yes. has to be able to float but the boat can represent anything you want it to be and people would be like oh. this is a boat about my imagination and it's like okay oh my god Yeah, no, it was exactly how you would imagine art school to be. And I didn't even go to like one of the like, I didn't go to like, you know, like um, SCAD or anything. Like Uh I was at an art program at UT and people were still maybe like some of the most pretentious people I've ever met in my life. (laughs) Needless to say, I switched pretty quickly to art history. (laughs) But before I did that, I got to experience these foundations courses where it would be like, okay, I'm going to spend the next. I'm so sorry.
0: Can I give you a very quick aside? Yes. Have I ever told you about the professor that I had in film school who tried to tell us that she invented putting a camera in a bowl? Oh, tell me more immediately. <laughs> she did, like, arty dance films, but they were really good. bad. Good, and good, they were good, good, good. all... Um, she put it she she simply put a digital camcorder into a sort of a, like a ball just a regular like a foam ball like she dug it in there and she would dance with it and um, show her show us all the films that she made and then try and, and then like she told us that she was then going to teach us stuff and we were all like okay
1: you're like well this is going to go really well I'm so well, glad you know, I got into this course you know who had the best experience in art school yeah. is friend of the pod Connor Shea because that's where we first <sighs> met oh my god love story Peshul, uh, but make Peschel did really well in art school he did not transfer to art history he stayed in the studio art program <laughs> uh, and got his BFA and uh he tells me a story that like always just like fills me with rage because I really struggled in the studio art like I didn't struggle to come up with things to make and I don't think that my technique was bad nor was that usually sure of the course. criticism I got uh, it was that like I didn't I didn't always um wanted to do the things that they assigned to us and right. I would and I found that stupid. so restricting whereas Connor like so like as in like there were times where I got into like screaming arguments with my professors because I was also kind of a piece of shit as I still am and uh, <laughs> and uh would like have to like leave the classroom crying because we got like in this big argument meanwhile Connor told me a story about uh one of the classes he took at our same art school that was a performance art class and the final that was like 30% of their grade was to create like a 10 to 15 minute performance art piece that you would perform in front of the entire class. And if you've ever met Connor Shea for more than 10 minutes, you know that that is something that is just almost unthinkable that he would do. So Uh he instead... They called on him and he said, oh, my performance art is that I didn't make one. And they gave him an A. <laughs> and I no. can't believe it. I can't no. believe it. I, like, know. I respect I was... it. I respect it deeply. Apparently but... so did they. And I was like, <sighs> that is some white man bullshit. I am sorry. I love you so much. You're my favorite white man by like a mile. But that is some bullshit. But. <laughs> I really
2: struggled. Go ahead. So that does upset me because I once got a D on a paint your own self-portrait as you see your self-assignment. Because I did paint myself as a woman named Caroline as a pterodactyl. A pterodactyl. <laughs> a pterodactyl. My teacher wrote That's on so it. It's so creative. I know, but my teacher wrote on it, this is too weird. <laughs> How
1: can art be too, too weird? weird? You're really Ew. honing in though. You're, you guys, you're really honing in on the thesis of my story, which is that like doing the assignments, I thought was kind of fun when I liked them. But then they always culminated in i am um, not exaggerating, like two to three class days. And remember, these classes were four hours each, <laughs> two to three class days that were just critiques, where we as a class of like 15 to 20 people with our professor and all of our TAs would go from each person's like go from person to person, look at their piece and talk about it from five to 10 minutes in Horrifying. front of the person.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it really took a lot of forms like it created like intense rivalries it created factions within the class of like here's a group of people who like consider themselves to be very pretentious and will like (laughs) do whatever they can to like rip down other people's artwork whereas like there was like a a faction that I was in in my 2D design class that was like me and like three or four other girls that I think also watched America's Next Top Model and Project Runway and we were like (laughs) we were just determined to say something nice about every single person's piece especially if professor started because i mean like it makes us sound like sweet but i'm saying like this was a survival thing like um, you are so exhausted you are doing this for so long you spend weeks on these projects and then your professor gets up and says that's just a little derivative isn't it and you're like you just in front of everybody you know and you just when you're 19 years old and you want to die and so yeah that sounds terrible yeah so i would just be like i would be like actually like i think and i do think actually as i'm saying that out loud i think that this is like a big part of like the development of like my core personality which is that like i love things that like when if i hear someone say something is awful in term- in terms of like art or culture i am usually looking to try to see if there's something about it that i like and like i can just so be you like can actually can you see sonic 2 with me maybe but i don't know i feel like you already have miles for that <laughs> nice
0: try oh, I nice do. try
1: quick dive out of that one <laughs> but yeah no like we would just be like actually like i think like the use of glitter here is like really interesting and it's evocative of craft and you know um uh, traditionally things like textile art were considered craft and they were considered lower and that was racist and so for you to like shit on like this person's art because they put like glitter on it and you think that's craft is actually in the tradition of sexism and racism and not in the tradition of like modern art and then we would feel really smart Um, (laughs) and the professor would be like partial credit um and so it is in it is in that spirit, because literally at the exact same time, the exact same years that I was in this art program, are the years that a little show was on television called <laughs> Work of Art colon search for the next great artist. And it is fucking awful. This is a show that that was produced by Bravo TV. And this is a part of the story that I think is actually really interesting. And it's like, if we can zoom back a little bit to the TV landscape of 2004 of Bravo when this was happening uh in 2004 reality tv was still considered to be like absolute trash garbage like Uh you had things like survivor and like big brother which were like mega hits but like those people were not considered celebrities in any real regard they weren't invited to things they were spoken about like you know as if it was like tabloid stuff yeah the kind of the most sort of infamous one was the show that came on in 2004 called who wants to marry a multi-millionaire uh, and it was this huge like it was a ratings blitz like 22 million people watched it as like I don't know I think like 16 women competed in wedding gowns on a stage to marry on stage that night a multi-millionaire that they had never met and didn't get to see beforehand that's horrifying oh it is horrifying the guy who was the quote unquote multi-millionaire was later found out to have changed his name didn't actually have as much money as he said he did and had a long like rap sheet of domestic violence charges so that was great really good vetting on that production team's part and the woman that won that that married him for a short period of time her name was Darva Conger she basically became like a proto Kim Kardashian (laughs) like everyone what'd you say? I said that's not a real name. Oh I know it sounds like maybe she also had an alias because she knew this was gonna be a weird choice but she like she was like in the press all the time in a very unfavorable like unflattering way they would talk about her face about how ugly she was but how insane she was she eventually posed for playboy and then that was like heavily like derided Um, so this is the landscape of reality television in 2004 enter bravo tv bravo is like at this time a very niche television cable television station um that is primarily focused on the arts they had like their current their original programming up until about 2003 was things like the jazz Hour where they would just show jazz. They often showed like full like produ- like theater productions, like just like film theater productions from like the West Bravo End. Did? Bravo. That's why think about it. That's why it's called Bravo. It was Bravo. It was, a- <gasps> Bravo. It was about like music and theater <laughs> and art. They Holy had like shit. art criticism shows. Um, and the show that's maybe the most famous from that era of Bravo's programming that you you both might be familiar with is Inside the Actor Studio. Inside the actor studio uh, started yes. in like the 90s. And it was one of the most successful things That Bravo ever made So it carried over even after Bravo Kind of changed their focus Um,
2: That's so funny because I've always thought That was like a very weird show for Bravo to have I didn't realize Bravo grew around it Yeah it was a relic
1: of what Bravo used to be But they were really struggling In like the late 90s early aughts This wasn't attracting You know like they they weren't staying competitive With like you know FX And like Spike television for men And like the rise of satellite television Meant that everybody had more choices than ever. So the executives at Bravo were like, "Okay, who has been watching all of our content about famous actors and jazz and theater, gay people? We actually have a large like concentration of gay people that watch our content. So we're gonna take a chance on a reality show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Uh-huh. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was kind of the birth of like the Bravo as we understand it today, where we. We have like, like this like giant ecosystem of reality TV shows that are focused around like personalities, uh, and they all interact with each other, and they're called like Bravo Leberties or whatever. Uh, oh the 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 genesis of this is Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, their first kind of like pop culture reality show, and it is a global phenomenon. As however yeah, popular, people freaked out about yeah. it, yeah. However popular Queer, like the Netflix version of Queer Eye is now it doesn't even compare to what Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was like in 2003. You could not escape it. It was everywhere. And bruffa was like, oh shit, hit the gas. Like, this is what yeah. we're doing now. We are now a reality television uh, channel. But they, especially still at that time, it's maybe less so now, uh, they really wanted to keep this kind of edge of like, we are, we are the more cultured, premium, prestige, artistic mm. alternative to like Survivor and and big brother and the shows that are on the network tv channels. So the second big show that they greenlight in 2004 is called Project Runway. Oh. And Project Runway is a really bold idea Where they're going to have like, you know, up and coming fashion designers compete uh, because Queer Eye was not a competition show, but this is a competition reality show, which is considered the lowest of the low in terms of reality TV at this point, but they're going to make it premium by making it be about fashion and high fashion. And they're going to have, you know, supermodel Heidi Klum hosted like proper judges and shit and proper judges. And they're going to do all these challenges and then they're going to get to like show at New York Fashion Week, which is a big fucking deal. And so that show is also an absolute runaway hit. And as we have seen time and time again from our experiences, the three of us in, you know, in and around and adjacent to popular media, when one thing is successful, there's always some guy in a room that's like, give me 17 more versions of this immediately. (laughs) Yes. Have 17 versions of this on my desk by Monday. And then we will pick four of those and we will go forward. So you can absolutely trace from Project Runway this um, this Bravo kind of explosion of these prestige reality television shows so in 2006 they launched Top Chef which was made by the same people as Project Runway um, arguably the next most successful or maybe even like you would say like at a league with Project Runway because those are the two shows that are still on Uh, then in 2000 in 2005 I believe they started Project Greenlight which was with Ben Fleck and Matt Damon and they were going to pick one uh, f- like filmmaker like aspiring indie filmmaker and give him a budget and then like follow Whoa. him as he makes his first movie that show could also be its own what topic it is absolutely <laughs> bonkers and I think that went on for like three seasons in, to- in 2008 they did another spinoff called Top Design that was the same thing as Top Chef and Project Runway but with interior designers <laughs> okay that show was actually <laughs> really fun to watch and it's hard to find now I think it was just too too expensive to keep going with. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, furniture and paint and all that shit be expensive. Do be and costing then money, though? In 2010, they created yes. Work of Art, colon, the search for the next great artist. And oh. I recently, I, as Ellie pointed out, uh, we did watch it on YouTube. It's kind of hard to find because it wasn't a super successful show. Very critically derided, with good reason. <laughs> um, but you can watch it on, we used to be able to watch it on YouTube, and now you can't, I don't think, anymore. But you can watch full seasons on Daily Motion if you can stand to interact with that website. Yes. Um, And I recently rewatched both seasons and I was reminded of just like how bonkers this show was so in practice it follows basically the same format as like any of the other ones of like Project Runway or Top Chef you have like 16 aspiring artists or up and coming artists they're from all walks of life from all over the country some of them work like day jobs as like graphic designers or commercial painters some of them you know just are like I like live at home with my husband and our 17 kids that are all named different versions of Michaela but I I have always, in my heart, wanted to be an artist. <laughs> and then the prize that they get if they if they go through all these challenges where they do all these different like art projects, basically, uh, is a solo show at the Brooklyn Museum of Art and a cash prize of a hundred thousand dollars. So not so too A hundred thousand dollars. It's so how it's much is that? <laughs> oh, how much is that? It's a hundred thousand dollars. I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was executive produced by Sarah Jessica Parker and she always like made an appearance and I was like that yeah makes, of course
2: that makes so much sense to me say no more <laughs> story it really over. does oh yeah and the, just like that the story is over and just like that everything becomes clear uh,
1: the ho- it was hosted by China Chow, who was like a model slash kind of like it girl so again it just like it doesn't really make sense like it doesn't make sense in the way that like Heidi Klum made sense because she was a supermodel, and Tom yeah. Colicchio made sense because he is like a chef and an entrepreneur like a restaurant owner yeah this is just no, like, this is like, a girl and, that's like... And she's here. Well, it was kind of, it kind of made sense because she's like very connected, but in her like, like people in her family were artists, but she is not an artist. She's not known for like being part of the art scene. It was just more like, you know, she's exactly the kind of hot girl you would see at an art opening. It's like yeah. that kind of vibe. She's like dating Billy Idol. Like it's that kind of vibe. Yeah. And then the judges were like actually pretty highbrow people. Because again, like this is like right in, this is six years after uh, the First Project Runway, this is four years after the first top chef. This is when all these shows, which are still very successful, are like absolutely their peak. So they got like art critics, people like professors from like major art institutes and big like gallery owners, art buyers, art dealers. Um, they're not names that you would recognize, but they were very, very respected people in the art world. Uh And then they make these people do essentially art projects. And to me, like this is where the show kind of falls apart. (laughs) Because... Uh, (laughs) ostensibly ostensibly the point of and the joy in watching things like Project Runaway and Top Chef is that you as the viewer gain a more intimate understanding of and a deeper appreciation for the art behind these two different creative endeavors that are mostly seen as commercial things right so we Mm -hmm. all buy clothes we all go out to restaurants we don't necessarily we interact with those things on a daily basis we don't necessarily see them as art but then you watch the show and you see the kind of like care and Uh, thought and work that goes into developing a dish or designing an outfit and you're like wow that's beautiful this unfortunately is the opposite where I think we all already kind of have this lofty idea of art and artists who make art being something kind of like special and even maybe preternatural and instead of taking any time to be like okay we're gonna talk about like the birth of like and I get that like this is again very highbrow and not for everybody but that's what these shows were essentially trying to do. We're going to talk about like the birth of modernism and we're going to talk about like why you know say like a really obvious example like why Picasso painted with all those shapes and like now <laughs> you're going to do something kind of in that style because that's what we did in art school like we would have a lecture where we talked about why like a school of thought or a style or a technique came to be and like why right. it was important and then we would go do a project based on that style or that technique mm-hmm. and in and these it would it was just and I'm this is the best part ruthless and completely shameless product promotion so yeah and again these things stand they stand out but they stand out less in something like project runway where you are already making something that is designed to be like bought by everybody it's already like a, a commercial product yeah but in work of art they would be like we ne- we're gonna spend 15 minutes driving you guys around in like the new Audi the new 2010 Audi and then you need to make Make a piece of art inspired by your Audi experience. Like that inspired was a real, by how
0: it made you feel.
1: Yeah, how'd that Audi make you feel? And like that episode, in case you were curious, was called Art That Moves You. God, somebody was so proud of that. That
2: was oh, major. It's so gross. I wrote that Oh, copy. yeah. I was seven. Or there seven. was another
1: one where it was like, you had to design a book cover for one of six classic novels. So it was like, you know, like it was all things that are in like the public domain, obviously, like Pride and Prejudice or like Dracula. And that was, I thought, an interesting idea because that is the reality of a lot of working artists like you have people who want to be artists as like a large group and then you have another smaller group of people who really do work as artists but and that's the kind of stuff that they do they create book covers they do like cover art they do movie posters they do maybe like anatomical or like mechanical illustration they do you know uh, graphic design that like that's a working artist right and then you have this like absolute 1% of 1% that is mostly like a um, completely closed group and closed ecosystem of fine artists. And so they were neither breaking into that closed ecosystem and like offering a peek into that world, nor were they really fo- like showing what it took to be a quote unquote working artist. And that design of book cover was maybe like the closest that they got, but they yeah. still, they brought the kind of weird pretension to it where they were like, I just feel like you didn't push the idea of Jekyll and Hyde far enough. And it's like, lady, (laughs) this is books. Like, what are you talking about?
0: It was so weird. And it's like such a strange basis for judging on the, like, it's just like, this one didn't work for me. What was the little catchphrase? Oh, uh, your work of art didn't work for
1: us. (gasps) Oh. I kind of love that. It's a kind of and a turn of go. phrase. <laughs> Such a fun turn. Well, you always have to have like a little like catchphrase. Like, like please, I'll please pack your knives and go. I'll feed a zen. Yeah, you're in or you're out. So and so, you're out. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that absolutely again kind of entered our vernacular in our home space because, of course, Connor and I, having met in art school, did watch the show. I think a couple times. <laughs> and uh, there's this part where they're like berating this artist because her her work of art about the Audi experience is just like not hitting like for some reason that inspiration wasn't really working for her uh, <laughs> and oh um, this, I know I can't imagine and this like art critic is just laying into her again I'm feeling very triggered and she's like it had no sex it had no speed it had no status and like oh, that's <laughs> right that is where that came from <laughs> and now Do you like, that still is just say a, that I still say it like I say it to Mamba all the time like if he's being sleepy and I want him to come play with me like Mamba, you have no speed, you have no status. He obviously has no sex because he's you know neutered, but like he's doing his best.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and no, it's this show is amazing. It is also terrible. It also lays bare the just like impossibility of commodifying, I guess, fine art in a way that makes sense, in a way yeah. that you could with things like fashion or movies or um, or or fine dining because those are already commodities. Yeah, uh, and to that very. End, maybe my favorite sort of like bit of mythos about the show was that, of course, because it's TV and they want to make good TV, the, the people that advanced and did well were not always the people who were making, quote unquote, like the best or most technically proficient art. And I know, right. you know, obviously all of those things are subjective, but like there were people who were doing things similar to the anecdote that I told of Connor, where they're like, well, this was supposed to be like a, you know, a project about like, like opposing forces. Am I opposing forces? Is that I'm sleepy so I'm gonna take a nap and like that yeah. was like the, and they're like wow amazing <laughs> 100, uh, and it's, 100 points and it's not because it's just like a cute like 23 year old white guy but the 23 year old white guy in question who, got, who was a runner up who like almost won the whole thing of the first season was named Miles Mendenhall and after the show was released and he was such a fan favorite and everyone's like I love this like quiet unassuming sort of like mousy boy who's always in like too big of a sweater and he's too sleepy Uh, people were like
2: (laughs) oh I know that
1: guy and yeah he was like so sleepy he has to take a nap and it's a performance Um, a bunch of people came out and said oh I know this guy like he's you know kind of a fixture on the like indie Brooklyn art scene he's a piece of shit and he's like like, he's like really loud and bombastic and they were like this is a persona like whoever this person was on TV this is not the person that I know in real real life was that his art piece being quiet yes so then he came out and said and again like all this is like allegedly 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 Um, but you can find articles about it where he was like uh, allegedly he decided oh if I'm gonna go on like a TV show about art so cliche right I'm gonna turn the entire thing into a performance piece so I'm gonna create the persona of like the perfect kind of like starving eccentric artist and then I'm gonna be that on TV as an alter ego for the altered reality of reality TV and it's like okay shut up (laughs) okay cool sure shut up never never speak to me again I'm looking up pictures
2: of him right now and he um, looks like a douche if you will sorry Miles Mendenhall I guess I don't know what he's like now because this was also 10 years ago yeah Miles if you're Uh, listening I'm
1: sorry yeah so then (laughs) allegedly he was out there saying there was a performance art like performance piece but then um, according to the article that I read about it when people finally started coming and trying to like interview him Bravo had already intervened that's like the theory and the the Bravo publicist was like, none of this is true. Miles is who he is, and he's a great artist, and we support him 100%. And this is just, like, a gossip. Y'all being mean. Huh? Yeah. And so, you know, like, he he said in true uh, art boy fashion, he said, um, yeah, I'm not stupid enough to bring this heat on myself uh, by being fake, but I definitely think there's something really interesting to be examined here. It's like, okay. 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 All right. All right. okay he he re- He mentioned being fascinated by, quote, the stand-ins and filters of reality television. The kind of quotes you're put in or the kind of cloud that hangs around you. He went so far as to cite Roland Barthes' Camera Lucida, a classic text on the relationship between photographic portraits and true personality as his favorite book. So he was really (laughs) doing like a wink and a nod of like, yeah, Bravo told me I can't say this, but yes, Uh but 100%. And also like, what a douchey thing to say. So So douchey. That is my quick rundown, my social history of of the sadly only two season long run of Ugh. work of art, a, a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff of Project Runway that never really got the t- its time and the like, sunshine that it should it never have. never got because, its wings. Because but- it really is just a show about like some of the most pretentious people that you've ever seen in your life doing like craft projects, <laughs> doing like bad versions of art projects, I should say. I don't want to be like, you're writing craft projects because again, I don't think there's a difference between art and craft, but just doing like the dumbest sort of like product placement spawn con stuff you've ever seen.
2: Yeah. Chelsea if you were going to reboot it you have a budget uh-huh. you can do whatever you want. Yeah. How do you do it? Who Who is the host? Who do you cast? Very good question. Okay the host is
1: and just stay with me Connor on this. Shea. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Connor Shea is like the mentor in the room because I feel like that can always kind of be an unknown and people just like take your word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's like, and it'd be okay. like oh like noted cartoonist Connor <laughs> Shea is going to mentor you in in the room. Uh, I can imagine and he, his introduction. Then he'd just be like, "Hey, what's up?" Oh yeah. I like well cool. the idea that he would be blurred, like he would only agree <laughs> to do this, like you couldn't see his face. <laughs> and then there would like I would create like an internet rumor that he was Banksy, that like yes. Connor Shea was like an alias because you can't find him online, and that Very he was powerful. Banksy, and that's why you can't see him. Uh, and then I think that the host would be like, "Now this is why I was like, come on, like bear with me." Uh, I think I would make it PewDiePie. And <laughs> go on. But he would not be allowed to be PewDiePie in any way, and we would not address it. Like, he would just be like, what is his name? Like, Carl or something. Uh, He's got got, like a real Swedish name because he's Swedish. Felix Carl. Kjellberg. He'd be like, hi, I'm Felix Kjellberg, and welcome to Work of Art. And he would just be so serious. And he would play it completely seriously. I love it. And no one would be allowed to say anything about video games or PewDiePie or the fucked up stuff that he's done in the past. I love it. Yes, that's my vision. But he will bring, like, all the people, right? Like, people just want to see this. Like, like, what's going on? Um, And I think that I would I think that I would infuse it with like, more art history. And part of that is just that, like, that's what my degree ultimately was in and I love art history and I think it is like the best way to understand like the soul of a culture and I think there are ways that you can make it interesting like we Mm. often do on this podcast and I think I would probably have people work on more like long form stuff and like infuse art history into the things that they're working on instead of just being like this week we're all gonna go get glad bags from Target and then you're gonna do the (laughs) glad bag painter spectacular challenge brought to you by glad
0: all about how much you would love
1: GLAD. Yeah. And like how does Glad move you to like create more art? <laughs> oh man, it was so weak. Yeah.
0: I like it. So that
1: is that is my topic. I love it. Bravo. I love it. Bravo
0: one could say. Hey. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh damn. That's another I three points to... for Caroline. No
1: oh, God, she's
0: gonna, she's gonna destroy us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then parched. I'm ready to hear. Yeah, I'm simply parched, and then I want to hear you drop it. Okay. While she's
2: actually, getting water, I'm going to grab another. I can That'd describe cool. water break. I'm going to describe for everyone a show called Outback Jack. If you haven't seen it, oh wow. <laughs> um, it was a show that came on when I was probably eight years old, and it was kind of like ABC but The Bachelor, but in Australia, and a bunch of very like buxom American women were competing to be the lover of this man named Outback Jack, whose name was actually like Steve or something, and he wasn't really an Outback back man he was just living in australia and they would make the women do these very unhinged challenges like sit with a tarantula on your face and like survive a night on the brush and it was kind of my introduction to reality tv in a way that as a seven eight year old i thought hey this is unhinged television and we don't know what's gonna happen next i'm really vibing with this genre that's all i have to say this isn't my podcast mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so this story I came across, and I guess I guess kind of misread the beginning because I didn't realize how recent history this is. Okay. This is from 2002. <gasps> All right. Oh my God, that was 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago, but when I first started reading this, I thought it was like 200 years ago, and you'll see why. Because okay. in 2002, a group of soldiers went missing while on patrol in a remote mountain region of Kandahar, which is in the south of Af- Afghanistan, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking uh, like US military troops in Afghanistan, they're going on a patrol, and then one day they never come back. They failed to make radio contact for some time. And so as they do, the military sent in some like special ops to investigate. And they never found them. They oh. never found these guys high up in the mountains. This unit that went to look for them came across a cave with scattered army equipment around, but no sign of the missing soldiers. And that's when, apparently, they chanced upon the Kandahar giant, like oh. an act, like a giant, like a like a giant from a fairy tale giant, like a giant human being, a giant giant human being. The tale apparently grows with the telling, but <laughs> some okay. reports suggests that this guy was 15 feet tall and he was this red headed giant that had six digits on each hand and was wearing like leather moccasins like, like from like the Odyssey or something you know like this guy smelled like dead bodies and he like came out of the cave and impaled one of the soldiers with a spear and that's they when they all opened fire and after 30 seconds of continuous fire with their like giant full auto machine gun stuff they fell giant and th- this American military unit killed the Kahandar giant. <gasps> Kandahar join okay um, and then apparently they picked it up in a Chinook helicopter and carried it to a transport plane and no oh. one ever saw it again and they were Great. forced to sign <laughs> NDAs so the government could keep everybody quiet about this thing that happened but apparently eventually oh. these soldiers broke their silence because one of the, as one of the men said the people have the right to know the truth so this is okay. like an actual well a contested event where some several soldiers are saying no this definitely happened and the government is paying Supposedly, paying people to be quiet, making them sign NDAs, all that, all that kind of thing. And this is from two thousand and two. Uh, <laughs> the real story, the real story of the Candahar okay. Giant, is a lot less interesting than the myth that it has become. <laughs> it's
2: uh, it always, always like that. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, always, it, it always, it always it is. do always
0: be like that. And two thousand sixteen, some guy called L. A. Marzuli, who has a YouTube channel his YouTube channel is dedicated to tying current events to biblical prophecies, so you know, one of those kind of guys. And if you don't know, because I say, you know, Chelsea gave some amazing context in our last episode about parts of Christianity that you might not know. Um, Uh There's a bunch of prophecies in the Old Testament about who was going to be this next king of the Jews, and some people say that was Jesus, some people say that it was not. A lot of these prophecies are, are supposed to be fulfilled when this person walks the earth, and a lot of people think that that happened in Jesus. So there's this big sort of prophetic part of Christianity oh. that is actually argued on the side of apologetics, which is like digging into is any of this true, basically. Uh-huh. So this guy's YouTube channel is dedicated to going around and and finding these stories and saying that these are fulfilled biblical prophecies. Who's to say why? But that's what he that's what he's into. <laughs> now deleted. This video first posted on August 16th, 2016. He interviewed a man called Mr. K who purported to be a soldier who said he witnessed the slaying of the giant of Kandahar. He claimed he saw this giant carrying a spear, murdering a United States soldier named Dan, before he and other special forces took it down. So he said he was in this group of Dan. people who used a bunch of machine guns to kill this giant.
1: Who was, I guess, also close enough to... Uh... To know the first name of the soldier.
0: Oh, that was yeah, Dan. Dan. That's, that's that Dan. was Dan. Oh, Danny Boy. Wait, wait y'all. Sorry, Lieutenant Sorry. Dan. Oh, Dan. Oh shit, this just and got so real. This YouTube video goes real viral. Thus, how it got twisted into like this thing actually happened, maybe. Uh, so it got so viral that then like re- journalists and reporters started reaching out to the Department of Defense about the Kandahar Giant incident, and the Department of Defense had to make all these statements that they're like in no uncertain terms that they had no record or information about a special forces member killed by a giant <laughs> <sighs> they're like, oh, uh, well what a relief <laughs> I
2: believe it that's all I needed to yeah. hear thank
0: you sir <laughs> And there's also no press releases on the Department of Defense's website involving either like a special forces troop disappearing in Afghanistan or any incident involving the felling of a giant. But of course, as with any good conspiracy, the lack of evidence is not sufficient enough to prove that it didn't happen. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> um, in fact, the journalist that wrote an article about you know trying to debunk that legend actually had quite the opposite effect in certain <gasps> cryptid spaces because then they were like, yeah, because the government would of course try to hide the- from the truth. Oh, this no. is obvious. he amplified it. He, he amplified, amplified it. it. Yes. <laughs> and so at the same time that this guy's article came out, the self-proclaimed supernaturalist L.A. Marzulli, the guy with the YouTube channel, told several right-wing websites that the United States government was covering up the spectacular story and that those in power had a vested interest in keeping the truth of biblical prophecies from being exposed to the general public. Well, yes, of course. Well, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, people have a right to know about this stuff. If there are 15 or 18 footers roaming the earth and our military is brought down. We have a right as American citizens to know about it. Well obviously. That's what he said. He yes. said, I mean this isn't classified military stuff. This is something we need to know and it points back to the biblical prophetic narrative. Because according to Marzuli, this creature was called a Nephilim. Mm. Do you know anything about Nephilims? Well, the yeah, Nephilim?
2: Isn't, isn't I that that not the a child about Nephilim.
1: Of an, uh okay. yeah, I thought like, I thought they were the children of angels and humans. Like, a half angel Yeah yes. And I know this Because I read A Twilight knockoff series Where it was oh like God. What if What if you were A teenage girl And you fell in love Angel
2: And she Uh-oh. went to A special
1: school For Nephilim How do you oh, spell like it a big school It was like Hogwarts But for Nephilim
0: To become big Yeah to become Big angel I'm going to dive Into a little bit Of what Nephilim are You spell it with a ph, sure do Like seraphim Yeah So these are Supernatural beings Specifically the offspring Of human women And sons of God is what it says in the Bible, so it is kind of up up for debate who they be, and there's a lot of opinions as you can imagine. So they appear pretty significantly in the Book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Jewish Torah and the Christian Bible, because same mm-hmm. up to the point of the New Testament. Yeah, there's just a divergence. It's a quick it's divergence. A divergence, and they are also mentioned in a bunch of other biblical texts and in some non-canonical Jewish writings that are not in the Bible. Others consider the Nephilim in contrast to be offspring of human men descended from Seth and human women descended from Cain, what are Adam and Eve's kids. Yes. Cain kills Abel. Is and Seth, Seth really is a biblical name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Bring that one down. Uh, but both of those interpretations basically say that there's like lustful breeding of the Nephilim was one of the reasons that the big flood happened. Actually, did you say Noah? I think maybe you said Moses and I said kind of
1: Noah. I said, is- I said Moses because it's yeah, no. desert. Yeah,
0: so it's actually Noah. It's Noah. It's Noah. Okay, I'll allow it. So the the Hebrew, though, the Hebrew word that we have translated to Nephilim, I guess we just like gave it our own word, might mean those who cause others to fall. Oh. And in Aramaic culture, the term neph- Nephilah specifically refers to the constellation of Orion and thus Nephilim to Orion's semi-divine descendants. The implication being that Orion is also a biblical Nephilim. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So the first reference of the Nephilim that appears quite early in the Bible, Genesis 6, 1, 4, Genesis being the beginning, describes the origin of Nephilim as part of the increasing wickedness of mankind. These beings coexisted with humankind until the flood with a moral orientation. When men began to multiply on earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of heaven saw how beautiful the daughters of man were, and so they took their wives, as many of them as they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not remain in man forever, since he is but flesh. His day shall comprise 120 years. At that time the Nephilim Appeared on Earth as well as later. After the sons of heaven had intercourse with the daughters of man, who bore them sons, they were heroes of old, men of renown. So Goliath is also thought to be now Nephilim. Fairly famous story of David and Goliath. Oh yes, David fights a giant with just a sling and a stone. A big man, if you will. A a big man. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you know. Have you ever seen Prometheus? Yes. You Um, know how like that whole idea of like there was like an either an alien or some kind of spiritual. uh, race of people that like gave us the pyramids and just you know, kind of like, kind of a pretty seated famous conspiracy life. theory yeah like seated yeah, life yeah, throughout yeah. the universe and those are probably like uh, r- realized in Ridley Ridley Did- Diddly- Scott's Prometheus as like the big <laughs> creepy white dudes yeah, those with cool big guys eyes. those with cool, big cool eyes. guys <laughs> so this idea of this of, of like these crazy and ancient giants has like been with us for a very very long time these days scholars pretty much largely agree that the Nephilim were metaphors. Actually, well, I guess they did. There's still debate. Because the ancient Jewish tribe was under such fire all the time, and everyone was always trying to kill them and exterminate them because of their belief in the one God, these biblical scholars now are thinking maybe this idea of a giant is, like, a big problem that they're facing, or, like, or, or a whole nation, oh, metaphor, yeah. like as the metaphor of one giant dude. Mm-hmm. So, like, Goliath actually is, like, a whole nation of people that David and his army defeated, but it's been retold as this one one kid and a giant
1: it's like the majority like when we talk about like um you know say like like politics of marginalized groups like you have like a majority group that kind of like imposes dominance on a marginalized group sometimes yeah. purposefully and sometimes just like through inaction and like through oopsies like societal structures yeah
0: yeah so the idea that these like giant terrifying biblical angels were like coming to earth and having sex with beautiful women no. is also a modern interpretation of the entire Sodom and Gomorrah story which a lot of people use uh-huh. as to, to be like super um anti-gay and homophobic and it's like the the you know people who really don't understand that the uh, the bible is an ancient Hebrew text that you're not going to understand without a lot of context. Yeah. Um, use that passage to argue anti gay sentiments.
2: It can be used in modern times, the Bible. Nothing's changed. You yeah, know, it's the same.
0: It's actually yeah, the same. keep
2: it exactly the
0: same. It's same as about it ever a bunch was. of white people. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually everybody's would... white in it as well. Yeah yeah, yeah. Well that's how i always interpreted it. So there's a book of Jude in the Bible and this draws upon those statements that set forth in Genesis about the paternity of the Nephilim as heavenly beings who came to earth and had sexual intercourse with women. And this is what it says. It says, The angels too, who did not keep to their own domain but deserted their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in gloom for the judgment of the great day. Likewise, Sodom, Gomorrah, and the surrounding towns, which in the same manner as they indulged in sexual promiscuity and practiced unnatural vice, serve as." an existence Example by undergoing a punishment of Eternal fire. Very cute. Very cool. Ooh, yes. In this Context with a better Hebrew Translation practiced unnatural Vice literally translates as went After the alien flesh
2: <gasps> Aliens. <laughs> now it's like
1: so
0: the thing in Prometheus yeah so when people are saying like oh that you know that means guy. no it doesn't it might actually mean elehans or what they would have perceived yes. at the time to be aliens which would be you know not like aliens as in like little green guys from Mars but like beings not from the Earth interesting mm, like I'm like, technically like an alien uh-huh. of America oh I was thinking of like the like multi-eyed angels like many oh well eyes. yeah that is also a really cool thing and a great like crazy aside. To talk about how we like of course in the west completely whitewashed angels to be like cute little cuties in dresses yeah and actually the reason why in the bible it's always like do not be afraid is because they're like they're uninterpretable looking.
1: yeah they're yep. frightening they're which vampires, is all more frightening to think about somebody having sex with
0: one right it's a big no thanks wouldn't you just be a little bit curious <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> Just like uh, kombucha, girl. like well, I no,
2: but just no. like nervo- mm-hmm. nervous, but excited. I think is how I would feel in that situation. I, I guess it depends on their personality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well if they, if they come to me and they say don't be afraid I think I just will be like okay I trust you you know you
1: would just trust you would just trust like a multi-eyed being immediately if they said don't be afraid
0: <laughs> they said have no have you trap. ever even seen no Hellraiser I'd be like okay if they said it in like several octaves at once both <laughs> inside and outside of your mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah what? horrendous and that's I, why that's why it's like and they fell oh. to their knees and wept because it's like yeah yeah it would be great <laughs> I, I would too <laughs> if me Prometheus <laughs> boy's coming at me and he's like, Don't be scared. I'll be like, oh hell hell no. too
2: late. <laughs> I think yeah. I like let, let's say like I Pr- have
0: simply pissed myself already.
2: I see Prometheus guy on a dating app. I swipe right, but I wait for him to start the conversation.
0: Well, that butt chin uh, is so powerful. Yeah.
2: So yeah. I, you know?
0: He's got real Chad energy. <laughs> it's, it's very fixed chin. I'll round things out by saying even with the evidence stacked heavily against it, the myth of the Kandahar giant is still said to be an open secret. Among soldiers who served in the region in 2002, and several veterans who served in the region have also said that from that point on, they were instructed to point their weapons high by aiming for the head and then a little bit higher.
1: Ooh, Ooh. What a good line so, to end on. I know. Yes. So if they're oh,
0: fighting in the region, then they're yeah, they're like, hey, just so you know, there's giants out here.
2: A haunting story. That was mm. haunting. Yes. Caroline, do you want to give us points? Mm-hmm. I wrote some down. Um, do I have to give? Oh my god! The sum total of points, or do I should I give you them as they came? Yeah, you can can break them out. All right, so I'll start with Chelsea. Chelsea, you get five points. You get five points for inviting me. Aww, Aww. very
0: sweet.
1: That's cute.
2: Three points for appealing to my love of reality TV. Yes,
1: I I did. I did plan
2: that. Three points for referencing Bravo Lebrities because in my time (laughs) in New York City, I went to three different parties where Bravo Lebrities were featured in a weird, like, velveteen (laughs) room as if they were zoo animals. And I blacked out no! with, um, I blacked out talking to Kyle from Summerhouse. So Oh my god. If you know you wow. know. I have a picture of a him and powerful I, I have energy. I have a very dark selfie of me and him. Um, so <laughs> And then away. Always, <laughs> it's just like it's like I held my phone underneath my chin and it was very dark. And he looked down at my beautiful. phone too. I'll send it to the you. Best angle, um, perfect. Four for awareness that art is subjective. Um, Thank beautiful. You.
1: Thank you. Yes. <laughs> three.
2: Three for making me Google a bunch during your story, and this is and thus inspiring my curiosity. Gosh. And then you get negative two for romanticizing chefs in a way that my ex, who was a chef, would like. and then that's fair i'll take it and then i'll give you a seven for overall story wow (gasps) incredible so ellie just do that math real quick
0: yeah through excel i'm not stupid okay i was (laughs) i was trying to get you but you were already ready tip tap equals some open parentheses (laughs) Yep. <laughs> getting the exact right answer that she will not share <laughs> oh I see that's
1: 23 nice
2: I don't know oh. about me but you gave me 23
0: beautiful thanks
2: alright then I also now Ellie Give yeah, L, hi. I give Ellie 5 for inviting me thank you oh, for having me on the welcome. pod um, <laughs> for allowing so it, it for allowing it <laughs> for, 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 for permitting um, uh-huh. th- your first two points are for Kandaha because I thought you were pronouncing Canada with a British accent and I was like, oh, oh how nice. That's a <laughs> And then Kanada. I was, like, I, was like, I was like I was like, oh Kanada. But uh <laughs> And then one point because I immediately thought of Big Fish when you started telling the story, and I love that movie.
0: Yes, Aww. yes, yes. Three,
2: three points because I love a good cryptid.
0: Hell yeah! Three Hell po- yeah! Dude.
2: Three points for Christ imagery.
0: Good, beautiful. Yes. Two, two yes. points
2: for religious me- metaphors. <laughs> Negative three for the min- the military-industrial complex.
0: Yeah, fair. Yeah, that enough, was fair on enough, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is my fault.
2: <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, half a point for Seth being a biblical name because I can't. Okay. I will sleep. There thinking about that and then why because it's a sexy name because i agree <laughs> Deathy.
0: Um and then eight for overall story. Oh wow, well, thank you so much. And that is twenty one point five. <gasps> and now that point five is going to haunt me for episodes to come.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who was it's it that like tried she planned it? Who was it that gave us uh, fractions? And I was like, I'll kill you.
0: <laughs> Wasn't that, was that Max or was it Colton? Uh, I think it was Max that was giving us like point two five, point yeah. seven five, and it was uncalled for. It was it was really rude to be honest. It was honest. disrespectful. I did. And then, want- Caroline, you're. You're on six, just in so you are on six. Yes. So, you're in third, third place. I did yeah. want to, um, I did want to throw in a gold
2: star somewhere, but thought that might <laughs> confuse the, confuse the rating system.
1: <laughs> yeah. How would that work? <laughs> well, you could simply give us both gold stars and then they would uh, kind of just even out. We wouldn't have to track it.
2: Yeah. I'll give you guys both. Gold. I, I enjoyed both stories. I was engaged. I was listening. My dog only barked a few times during them. I'm going to give us a gold star equals 20. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. Thank
1: That's- you for translating so just yeah. immediately the
2: exchange, the exchange rate on gold the stars is pretty um pretty oh yeah pretty simple towards the u.s dollar and other major currencies so feel free to take that wherever you want to <laughs> especially you. if
0: you're a <laughs> Mario the man not the idea. Mm-hmm. That's true. yeah uh,
2: Caroline, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms because I'm trying to get out there. Um love a good tweet, love a good Instagram post. My name is Carodactyl on everything. Um I think Cute. it has sometimes underscore somewhere but
0: <laughs> a mystery <laughs> underscore. Yeah, so figure that out and you can find <laughs> A real her. journey. A real journey. It,
2: it's mostly just I do TikTok. Um it it does okay. It should do better, so help me out with
0: that. <laughs> I love the confidence of, like, it, sh- and it should be doing better, actually. Yeah. Sh- I'm, I'm funnier than the numbers reflect.
2: Papa algorithm she's is not very on my funny
0: side. <laughs> I love it. Chelsea, where can people find you? People can find me
1: at Chelsea Harfouche wherever internets are sold, because I keep it simple, and I'm the only one
0: in the nation. I looked it up. <gasps> that's really cool. Right? Oh, that's awesome. You can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram, Instagram and Ellie Mani on Twitter and you can find this podcast at whatpod if you choose to do so. And if you'd like to listen to us record live on Monday nights then you could join our Patreon. That would be like kind of cool. Um, pretty sick. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode of What? Thank you so much for listening and I don't know maybe this week you should go and learn something.
1: Yeah, and if you're Haya slash Judy because Caroline likes to call our cat Haya Judy. Judy. <laughs> uh, for reasons unknown to me.
2: Judy. Uh, Judy. <laughs> Judy. It's because- scary
1: little like louis armstrong voice for her
2: well it's because her cat looks like um the um dame judy dench cat in um in the movie cats in cats yes
1: i didn't know that you never said that that makes at least a little bit more sense
2: i believe i did say that but i don't think you were listening
1: well that wow. also sounds like me so you know what are you gonna do what are you gonna do um well beautiful good and strong well anyway as hey would say better listen to this podcast Get
2: <laughs> it